0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, your weekly explanation of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back, thank you for joining us. We return to the pages of
2: Adventure Comics this week. I'll do a couple of stories for you. First of all, we're going to talk about Adventure Comics 426, published on the 28th of December 1972, same day as Action Comics 421, which we did recently, and two days before episode one of the 10th anniversary Doctor Who story, The Three Doctors was first broadcast. There's a little bit of a contextual hook to hang it on. Mm -hmm. Peter's going to tell you about the amazing cover of Adventure Comics
1: 426. It's wonderful. All new Adventure Comics, the banner says at the top. DC Adventure Comics is the DC button and 20 cents in the other corner. The logo is massive, isn't it? It certainly is, yes. It takes up like, got about a third of it now. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool though. Very cool. I've always liked the Adventure Comics logo. Fillback nice. tattoo. Indeed, yes. It's still approved by the Comics Code Authority, which Thank is very for good. That, yes, that we're in a safe goodness. hand. Now
0: down the left-hand side of the cover. Starting in this issue... The Adventurers Club, join us for the most spine-tingling tales you will ever read. Perhaps you have a story that will permit you to enter our secret society. Read and find out. The Adventurers Club, how exciting. Very Although exciting. it does
2: remind me of that Craig Ferguson, he might have in Bing Hitler, when he did a um, routine of um, of the Explorers Club and Thor Heyerdahl and all that. Oh, oh yes. so you want to join the Explorers Club, do you? Oh, well, there's your knife, there's your potato. On you go. <laughs> it reminds you of that.
1: Mm. At the bottom underneath that caption, we have a figure. He's wearing kind of like a green exploring jacket, almost. A red collar. He's got some brown pantaloons and big boots on. Holding a rifle. He's a white-haired figure with a gorgeous white moustache, a massive pipe coming from his mouth, and, wait for this, he's wearing... An eye patch.
2: It's George Lucas wearing an eye patch and smoking a pipe. Listeners, there we are. And looks like he's posing. He's got his foot up on that little stool in, in a spotlight. It looks like he's posing for a an expensive Greg Hildebrand special
1: <laughs> one-off painting. <laughs> yes. However, that's not the story we're going to be talking about. Thank goodness. Yes. The rest of the cover is taken up by an image of our old pal, the Vigilante. He is riding his motorcycle. He has a lady on the back grasping onto him for dear life. She's looking behind saying, We lost them. We're safe now, Vigilante. A full moon looms in the background. Take a drink.
2: Yes. It looks like they're on docks, perhaps? Yes. It certainly looks like the moon is being
1: reflected in the sea. Mm It's very, very exciting. And... The lady should not have been looking behind her, she should have been looking forward because in front of them there's an open manhole, and from this manhole is coming a pair of hands holding
2: a rifle. A pair of white gloved hands. Mm. Is that going to be significant to the story? Ah. We shall find out. I'm immediately struck this covers actually, this positioning of heroes not paying attention and the rifle pointing mm-hmm. up at them is very, very similar to an imminent issue of Brave and Bold that we're going to be covering. Yes, very true. Interesting. Are there any other similarities? We shall see, we shall see.
1: Yes.
2: Yes, we flip past the Adventurers Club, script by John Albano, art by Jim Aparo, edited by Joe Orlando. It's a lot of fun, but it's mm-hmm. not really within our remit, sadly. Maybe someone will do a very short-lived Adventurers Club podcast. I would buy it. It's a nice house ad for one of the Batman 100 pages. Mm-hmm. Nice house ad for some of the reprint titles that were going on at this point, including Johnny Thunder, which made it to two issues and four-star battle tales, and the briefly revived Metal Men, Doom Patrol and Challengers. So that's worth pointing out yep. contextually. That paper mountain still exists. But borrowing further into the comic, we arrive at the opening splash panel for this issue's Vigilante story. A caption along
0: the top reads... Few of us know what it is really like to be running scared. When the heart throbs like a motor gone wild. When every rasping breath might be the last. But Amy Bryant, she knows with the memory of a nightmarish yesterday still tearing at her brain. The layout of this opening
2: splash panel is fantastic. There's no other way of putting it. Mike Sikowski absolutely excelling, light years away from the scratchy stick figure Just League stuff he was doing Mm -hmm. when we were just starting out in the podcast. Amy is a a tall, statuesque young lady, black hair, wearing a pink sort of jacket that's tied around the waist, an open-necked white blouse, sort of orange sort of ski pants and ankle boots, It looks like she's running through a city at night, looking very scared, very, very frightened. And there are three sort of insert panels that surround her, which give us some context. So in the first of these, we see that she's looking at someone, a man in a sort of brown suit with a yellow and black patterned shirt and a lurid green tie with lurid green polka dots on it. Sort of thing Peter would wear, listeners.
1: Sort of thing Peter would rock, listeners.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And he's holding... A syringe, which obviously is some dodgy material inside it. We can see his expensive wristwatch, he's got big 70s sideburns, he's got it going on. And Amy's looking at him and saying, No Derek, you won't get me hooked on snow again. I've been rehabilitated, off the stuff for keeps. The next sort of insect panel, she continues saying, And you'll be off the streets for keeps when I turn in your name as a pusher, without she kicks him in the stomach. Says I'm falling back, because Derek exclaims, OOF! Amy continues, and maybe nail your supplier, Mr. Big. Gosh, we can see there's a very obvious window behind Derek as he falls backwards in the final insert panel. Amy is climbing out of this window, looking behind her with a smile on her face as Derek doubled up says, You'll be dead within 24 hours. My men will hunt you down like a snivelling dog. This takes us to page two, which is a caption above the first panel that reads
0: So now you know the plight of this beautiful fugitive and how desperately she must clutch to any means of survival. Amy is dropping
2: to the ground. You can see it, it looks like she's emerging from an the alleyway. There's a motorbike in the foreground. Mm-hmm. She's thinking, They can't be far behind me. If I can just manage to reach that
0: bike, I'll be out of here like a shot. Usually, survival is won by the fittest or those who have help. And Amy Bryant is about to meet her scarlet-scarfed saviour, an Avenger of Justice, whom some call The, the Vigilante, Vigilante in Snow White, White Death.
1: Death. The caption tells us Story by Carrie Bates, art by Sikowski and Giordano. The next panel,
2: see Amy reached the bike and she's starting the engine, there's a vroom sound effect, but then, the next panel, a rope was snuck in, she'd been lassoed round the legs and pulled off the bike. And the voice says, Sorry ma'am, but any lady who would try and steal my wheels ain't no lady. Oh, exclaims Amy. She ends up on the ground looking up at this figure. She looks round and exclaims,
1: Vigilante! Believe me, I never dreamed this bike was yours. Your eyes tell me you're shivering inside. Maybe you better tell me why you need the fast transportation. Caption at the top of page three reads, As the trembling brunette
2: recounts her past history, and Amy's mid-speech as she's saying, And Derek managed to swing dozens of other girls beside me into becoming heroin addicts. He had a charm
1: impossible to resist. Vicious. Victimizing girlfriends to make them regular paying customers for dope. But I ran away, spent long, grueling weeks at a rehabilitation center,
2: and finally kicked the habit. Then Derek looked me up when I got out, tried to hook me all over again. So I lost my temper and swore I'd expose him. Abruptly, the piercing cracks of gunfire split the air. Gunfire of... That's... That's almost justification doing a story as a, as a, as a DC legacy, you know. <laughs> given the amount of emphasis that gunfire is, is printed with there. Yes. Yeah, there's some gunshots. We hear some zang and pang and zing sound effects, the bullets deflect, and Vigilante shoves Amy to the ground. Her ski pants have changed colour to pink. Vigilante says,
1: Phew, I'd say Derek's a mad peeved at you, missy, and it don't appear he believes in warning shots. Shift in emphasis here for the final panel of page three. We see Derek, now
2: wearing a big hat and a long overcoat, it looks like he's sat in a big sort of red heavy-duty road vehicle like a jeep yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. He's two friends with him. One is a man in green with a moustache, nice fancy hat and nice fancy coat. There's another more grumpy, growly-looking guy in blue, also along with him. The man in the green with a moustache, he's the one that's just fired on Vigilante and Amy, and he's saying, Blast! What a header, except for the dude in the Western get-up. Who is he? To which Derek says, Vigilante. And if he's anything like his rep, we get our work cut out for us. First panel of page four, Vigilante and Amy, back on Vigilante's motorbike and it's roaring off, Vigilante says. Where was you headed for my cycle? And Amy points ahead and we can see some, well, some snowy, rocky outcrops, basically. She says, up that mountain toward the ski lodge. I thought I could lose them in the snow. I reckon it's worth a try. Hold tight, lady. From here on, the ride gets rough. And Viggy's motorbike roars off, with Derek and his pals falling behind it in a red jeep. Nice silhouette shot of the red Jeep and Derek and his pals looking up the road after Vigilante and Amy in the next panel. One of Derek's pals, the guy in blue, can be heard saying,
1: Look at him handle that
0: bike. A Hell's Angel would need training wheels to keep up with him. Derek replies, Faster, Mo. We ain't gaining on him yet. A few frenzied moments later, after reaching the summit's
2: lodge. Yeah, quite a lot going on in this panel. Some very good "see what you see dialogue, etc. As the bike skids along in the snow, we can see a man lying on his backside in the snow behind him. <laughs> Vigilante is now baiting, um a couple of ski poles and some skis in his hand as Amy helpfully tells us, Vigilante, you just stole that poor man's skis. If we're lucky, one of us might still be alive tomorrow to return them. The next panel, Amy's putting on the skis with Vigilante's help and she
1: says, But I haven't tried to ski in years. You better not have forgotten now, because those two thin boards are your only way off this mountain. And in panel five, Amy skis off, looking back at Vig and saying, Here I go. What are you up to? As my granddaddy would say, I aim to head those varmints off at the pass. A slow dissolve. A moment later. Yes, the red jeep arrives, bearing Derek's two pals.
2: The guy in blue says, Any sign of him? Nothing yet, but they gotta be somewhere close. Suddenly There's a massive
0: Broom
2: <laughs> and an explosion of snow almost an avalanche, if you like, it descends upon the red jeep. The guy in green stands up saying, Hey! And the guy in blue says, Vigilante, he must have dynamited the slope. It obviously caused a fair bit of damage to the vehicle because the next panel, they're buried in snow, but we can see the spare wheels sort of line there. The man in green says, "Ah, oh, We're still here. For a minute, I thought the avalanche finished us. Enough panel. Vig says,
1: Not hardly, boys. I'll do that
2: now. The next panel. Vigilante must have some super strength is standing on the, the bonnet of the jeep and he's lifted the guy in blue right out of the snow saying I'd advise you to find a more peaceful line of work because this job's going to your head and as he's lifted out the snow the guy in blue exclaims Yipes. and then he exclaims Ooh. as Greg thuds him into the, the bonnet of the, of the jeep fantastic a little bit of violence there caption final panel page 5 suddenly the guy in green has pulled a pistol he's pointing at Vigilante and the guy in blue the guy in green is saying lay off my buddy, Vig and say your prayers, because I'm going to blow your stupid head off. But in the next panel, Vigilante takes a dive into the snow as the guy in green fires after him. There's some pow, pow, pow sound effects. Guy in green says, ha, I got him. But then in panel two, a white-gloved hand, Vigilante's, pops out of the snow, fires a pistol with a pow. And we see in the next panel, the guy in green is down on the ground, down in the snow, his pistol beside him. Not sure if he's dead or not, but Vigilante emerges from the snowdrift saying, You wasted four bullets on me, but I figure you ain't worth more than one bullet. Wow. A slow dissolve.
1: A few minutes later... We see Vigilante using a pair of binoculars, as he thinks. Better check up on Amy and see if she... Eh? Tarnation! Now I know why Derek wasn't in the jeep. He's been waiting to ambush her at the foot of the mountain all along. Yeah, we see Greg's
2: point of view as we see Amy cutting along on her skis and Derek, the villain... Has tied a piece of rope around the trunk of another tree and he's pulled it tight so as Amy skis up, she collides with the rope and gets knocked off her feet. Oh no! Final panel of page six, Vigilante leaps onto his motorbike thinking, Only one way to get down the slope fast enough to help her. Use the ski ramp. And that's what he does. The first panel of page seven, spectacular. You see that he has got all the way to the top of the hill and then whooshed his bike back down again. It's not as clear as it could be. You can see that the base of the ramp in the background, but it's still very effective. I think a full page would have done that justice, Oof, to be honest. Imagine. The caption for panel two of page seven. Seconds later. Vigilante, skating across the snow on his bike, arrives beside Amy and Derek. Vigilante says, What happened, Amy? Yeah, because Derek appears to be stretched out. We can see a pistol in his hand. Amy is saying, saying, he, he was about to kill me when, suddenly, he collapsed. Derek says, Amy... Vigilante and Amy move in a little closer. In the next panel, Derek looking up Amy and Vig painfully saying, Never told you that I'm an addict too. That's how Mr. Big kept me under his control. He cut off my supply. Said he wouldn't give me another ounce till I killed you. But it's too late. Ah. And he fades out. Amy looks at Vigilante who says,
1: Dead. Probably heart failure due to drugs
2: nice shot of Derek's boots lying in the snow in the final panel of page seven. So much for Pathos.
1: As Vigilante continues, Amy, tell me who Mr. Big is. I want his name, and right now. Oh, all right, but it won't do any good. He's too powerful.
2: The law can't touch him. A slow dissolve now as we arrive at the top of page eight.
0: Later that day in a Midtown office building.
2: Yes, looks very expensive. There's a nice fancy painting in the walls. A a secretary lady behind the desk. You see her telephone and all that. And a badly rendered vigilante is walking up to a door that's labelled private. The secretary stands up and
0: says,
1: Sir, no one barges into Mr Xavier's office like that. And in the caption for
2: panel two reads,
0: 47 seconds later,
2: Vigilante makes his exit. Doffing his hat at the lady behind the desk, he says,
0: Good afternoon to you, ma'am.
2: And in panel three, the door bursts open and we see Mr Xavier, who's a heavy set man and a probably expensive very heavy brown suit. His dark hair has been ruffled up and he's got a very conspicuous black eye in his right eye. His secretary looks appalled and screams, Mr Xavier, wh- what? Mr Xavier, with a pistol in his hand, says, No bad smelling cowpokes gonna use me for a punching bag. I've had men killed for a lot less. Panel four. Vigilante is scooting off into the distance in his motorbike and Mr Xavier has followed him out onto the slippy road, saying, Come back here, you! You are! next panel, he slips. There's a succession of beep-beep-beep from a car. The screech of brakes. Mr Xavier screams as he slips in front of the car. Final panel. The motorist has obviously got out of the car. Vigilante departing in the distance. And we see the body of Mr Xavier under the front wheels of the motor. As the driver says,
1: I, I couldn't stop in time in this snow. And a caption
2: rounds out
0: this adventure saying, Call it cursed luck, an unfortunate twist of fate, but whatever you call it, justice has been dealt this day. And a tiny caption tells us this is... The the End. end. Well, that was fun.
2: That didn't take long.
1: Wow. This is... Miles away from the Mike Sikorsky on Justice League. Seriously, I don't know if it's Dick Giordano's inks or whether it's just. Well, he'd done Wonder Woman for a while, hadn't he? Yeah, and then. It must have made him raise his game. Yep, and that Manhunter 2070 series as Mm. well in Showcase. Mm -hmm. They were very different from his Justice League. But I'd love to see this Mike Mike Sikorsky on Justice League. Yes. Yeah, with Dick Giordano winking. Oh, yes. Fantastic stuff. It really is. It's great. And
2: again, like we've said about some other columns around about this time, the colouring is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Colouring really helps sell it as well.
1: That ski ramp. But you're absolutely right. That should have been a bigger panel because that looks amazing. Yep. You can feel the hum of the engine under them. You know, yep. it's just and literally the it's there. Yep. Yeah. It's ah. Oh. And the snow theme using snow is, is heroin in it as well, and also yes. the actual physical winter snow. Yes. Is is lovely. A lovely little touch. Well, like That's your pal yeah. Carrie
2: Bates in it, yeah. Of course. had fin- yes. His finger on the pulse. Certainly did. Certainly All did. the snow stuff put me in mind of Ohmss and and the second Beatles film. Hmm. That was quite fun. Yep. I liked the snow chasing. There's not a lot to say, unless, it, apart from the fact that it was absolutely brilliant, to be honest. It rattled along. Very urban, very modern, very now. I mean, heroin addiction? This isn't that yeah. long after mm-hmm. after Speedy was having some trouble in the pages of GLGA. My water's is a junkie, mm. said the
1: GA. Yes,
2: we'll have to recreate that photograph of Logan. <laughs> That'd be quite yes. amusing. Let's get some heroin
1: and That'd we'll be see good what actually, we
2: can do it. I can wear my green lantern t-shirt and do the pointing, and, and you can be standing going, ooh, and Logan can be at the front going, I You're don't shooting know. up. That'd yes. be quite funny,
1: listeners. If you know where we can get some heroin, no, no, uh, that's no, no. No, no, no,
2: listeners. If you'd like, to. anyway. <laughs> again, the cover was completely wrong. Yes, yes. Like, there's no manholes.
1: <laughs> They're not by the sea. Uh, it's hilarious. Is, is it a full moon? I don't know.
2: We lost them. We're safe uh-huh. now. That's kind of, but no, that's that's yeah. way off. That's
1: hilarious. Actually, mm. how how wrong that is. Derek obviously knew exactly where she was going to ski down to to set up that trap. Of course. Yes. Maybe he knew the paths. Must have done. Must Derek's have done. very
2: slippery, mm. obviously, if you pardon the expression, with regards to the snow.
1: It's amazing intuitive powers you get by wearing such a fabulous tie.
2: Or being called Derek. Could be. That was a lot
1: of fun. There's not yeah.
2: really too much else to say. I just wish it, I mean, it was short to the point. It continues this really down-to-earth, contemporary, urban sort of thing that the Earth One Vigilante has been experiencing, apart from the werewolf. Which was a bit out there, but yeah. you know this follows on. I think very neatly from the 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 racism tinged, you know, rodeo story mm. we did a, a month or two ago. It feels
1: very right now. I have a question for you. Oh, I'm listening. Okay, chronologically, this is the first vigilante story we've done since his return in the GLA Seven Soldiers of Victory of GSA course. epic. Of course, is this definitely the Earth One vigilante, or could this be the <sighs> Earth Two vigilante? Well, I'm. I think it's the Earth
2: One guy, to be honest, because. <laughs> That's who we saw in Adventure Comics previously. True. It's true. very contemporary, very mm-hmm. different. I cannot imagine the guy that was cutting about this, with The Shining Knight and Star Spangled Kid and Stripes having mm. this sort of adventure. Well, you never know. I think it, we just have to take it as the Earth One guy. Yeah, I'm with
1: you on that, but I just yeah. thought I'd raise the topic because it is it's interesting. An, I mean,
2: that's the thing, because yeah. up, until, up until JLA 100, you uh-huh. and I were just going with the. If you just read the stories as they were published. Yeah. Vigilante, previously published in the Golden Age and through the 50s and stuff, was a guy that operated in the same Earth as the Justice League.
1: Yep, that's what it seemed to be. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. shifted
2: to, etc. and all that. And then they introduced the new, not the new guy, but the other one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And of course, as we said in the, the panel where Chuck and Steve and Kelly go and rescue Ranger God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they don't make any reference to the fact that they'd already met another Vigilante yeah. a couple of years earlier. I think it's the Earth 1 guy, yeah. It'd be yeah. fun to imagine it was the mm-hmm. Earth 2 guy suddenly mm-hmm. going from, time travel twisty adventures to dealing with heroin abuse yeah true <laughs> it's true. not very golden age is it <laughs> but i mean it's i, li- I mean I, I like this because it, it just continues that i've alluded before how it reminded me of the incredible hulk tv show of him yes rocking into a new city or a new uh-huh. place and then taking his leave at the end i love the fact that he just went and punched seven cars <laughs> <for> <laughs> out of the bad guy yeah you know that felt
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I get the sense he would like to have done that to some of the other bad guys that he's dealt with recently mm-hmm. very reckless
1: Shall we have a look at the reader reaction to yes, this story? Yes, very
2: much so. Jumping forward to Adventure Comics 429, the first letter reads, Dear Editor, while it was more than the proverbial stone's throw from perfection, Adventure 426 was a step in the right direction. Even if you have to take small steps, better a slight weight for magnificence than to go backwards. The high point of the magazine was the return of the vigilante. Snow White Death has to be one of Carrie Bates' best scripts yet. Mm-hmm. Usually I shudder when I read his byline. <gasps> Gasp. I actually like this story. Even the Sikowsky Giordano art was above par. Big mates kind of blown his last few jobs. Oh. Well, he was drawn Supergirl 2, I think, right about this time. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think right. he was drawn the Supergirl mm-hmm. lead when we did one of the other Vigilante, because I remember finding a couple of pages of the original art and posting them online. Mm-hmm. Big mates kind of blown his last few jobs, but Snow White Death was better than some of his superior Wonder Woman art. More stories of this calibre would be appreciated very much. Moving down another notch in Totem Pole, we find another Captain Fear bomb. Though it was better than the last issues, it was still rather crummy. If you don't stop naming every other character Captain So and So, the Pentagon's going to be in your back. I like Al Nino's work, but sometimes its excessive scratchiness has an adverse effect. Low contender in the line was the nice little escapist story of the Adventurers Club. The only thing that saved this one from oblivion was Jim Aparo's fine artwork. This feature and Captain Fear have got to go, and that's from Keith Griffin, probably no relation. Mobile, Alabama. Is that the same as in stuck inside a mobile with the Memphis Blues again? Yes. The Bob Dylan song.
0: There you go. Oh!
2: Listeners, what's your favourite Bob Dylan song with the name of Somewhere in America and the title? Write <laughs> in and let me know. Editorial response. And bear in mind, this is the period, we've mentioned it before, Adventure Comics very much in flux yes. at this point. It's uh-huh. gone from being the Supergirl featuring comic to having the mixed bag of Supergirl, Vigilante and Zatanna. This Explorers Club, Adventurers Club thing has mm-hmm. been set up. But by 429, the comic's been headlined by Black Orchid. Mm-hmm. So, yes, editorial response.
1: Dear Keith, does the Black Orchid fit your recipe for magnificence? That goes for all you readers. We are planning to feature the Black Orchid in three issues, of which this is the second. If you want to see more of our adventures, write quickly. It takes us quite a while to get sales reports, so your letters will have to be our guide. Get out there and write.
2: Well, spoiler warning, she only ended up appearing in three issues before she became a backup strip, I think, in Phantom Stranger.
1: There we are.
2: Backup strip in Phantom Stranger for a while, and then she eventually popped up in the issue of Super Friends. Yes. Before again, like Kid Eternity, getting a a Vertigo-esque reboot Uh in the 90s. Neil Gaiman and Dave
1: McKean. Yeah, exactly. Neil Mm. Gaiman strikes again. And the last letter doesn't actually deal with the vigilante story, but we'll give you it just for context. Dear Joe, just a few comments about the new Adventure Comics. The Adventurers Club idea stinks. <laughs> I don't mind bizarre stories, in fact I enjoy them. But the use of a reappearing host is better suited to television. They don't seem to make it across in comics. It's been a staple of comics for since the golden age. I know. James. Anyway, I know. Captain Fear is great! Alex Nino's art is outstanding, but it does need some improvements, especially in the lines and angles department. I'd like to see longer stories and less features per issue, Natch and revivals of superheroes like Dead Man, Aquaman and Adam Strange. Well, one of them it turns up. Yeah. Oh, actually, De- so does Deadman, actually, in the Dollar Comics, doesn't it? Yeah, he? of course, Deadman Ooh. becomes a
2: sort of recurring guest star in titles like Challengers of the Unknown and yeah. um, Phantom Stranger fairly soon after. This. he's popping up in World's Finest a couple of times a bit right now as well, so you might remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Deadman's floating about all over the place. Deadman, of course, has just had a brilliant adventure with Bloom and Wesley Dodds in the DC Night Terrors event, which I'm reading in little chunks at bedtime at the moment. and are absolutely thrilling to listeners, quite
1: frankly. At bedtime, no wonder you can't sleep at night. Well,
2: well, I don't know, it's, I've got Wesley Dodds to guard my dreams, I'm okay.
1: So who was that letter from? <laughs> that was from J.D. Baker from Aurora, Colorado. An editorial
2: response reads, Dear J, to 15 pages like this issue, fit your definition of longer stories. As for the revivals, Dead Man is in the works for a future issue of Adventure Comics. Aquaman remains a fairly active member of the Justice League. And new Adam Strange stories are Julie Schwartz's department. Worth pointing out, Adam Strange at this point has being reprinted in Strange Adventures mm-hmm. with occasional new covers, etc. And he's a, a couple of Fairly regular JLE guest star appearances in the early 70s as well, so he's not completely away. Yep, very true. So, you your thinking, listeners, that's a short episode this week, lads. Nope, we're moving on to Adventure Comics 427, published on 27th of February, 1973. Oh, just a few days before something very significant indeed. Mama Steel, I think, was probably in hospital by now. They kept her in for quite a while. They kept us both All in right. for quite a while. Okay. Anyway, Peter's going to tell you about the amazing cover to issue 427
1: of Adventure. We've got all new Adventure Comics at the top. DC Adventure Comics button, 20 cents, and the Comics Code Authority. Another massive logo. Yes. The bottom two-thirds of the cover, look at the main image. There's a man with a kind of safari-esque hat. Yes, I know what you mean. He's in a jungle, it seems. He has a camera out. He seems to be filming two giant lizard monsters who are fighting each other. It's kind of a swampish area he's in. Yeah. But unknown to him, there's a giant lizard monster with saliva drooling from its teeth coming through the bushes behind him. Yes. He's in trouble. A much
2: more sort of humanoid looking creature than the Mm. the ones he's filming. This is proper House of Mystery, House of Secrets type stuff. You could almost imagine to the right hand side of the picture, the silhouette of the Phantom Stranger.
1: Yes, I can see that. Watching.
2: Uh When's the Phantom Stranger going to turn up, listeners? I don't know. We'll see. When he wants to. When we need him to. I see. Okay. he'll turn up. I love this cover. It's just completely irrelevant to the story we're going to do, obviously. Of course. I found one foreign reprint with this, so you'll see that in the socials in the next few days. This is the the image that basically alludes to the lead story of the Adventurers Club. Mm-hmm. But in Time Honoured style, it's slightly different. There isn't really a bit where the man gets threatened by a giant scary beastie behind him, <laughs> but he does get attacked by a couple of lizards, and indeed he turns into a lizard As you at the end. If you bought that comic for the cover looking for that story, you might have been Disappointed. There's another Captain Fear backup strip, like there was last issue, but we're dealing once again with our pal Greg Saunders, the Vigilante. Yes, the Vigilante starring in another eight-page giant, if you will. A nice big Vigilante
0: logo at the top, and the caption to the first panel of the story reads, A fiery dawn warms the rustic western town of Coolwater, on a morning interrupted by the sharp cracks of gunfire. Yeah, very exciting. There's a man who's his back
2: to us. Blue jeans, boots with spars, a holster, brown sort of waistcoat, an orange shirt. He's got a cowboy hat hanging a string off the back of his head, but significantly he's firing a few pistol shots with a few BAM 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 at another man beating a rifle who's standing on top of a building and then falling off because he's been shot. Gosh. But of whiplash in the next panel though, as we suddenly see that we're on a movie set. We see a large movie camera, a man in a red cap crying, Cut and print. Nice take, Wade. And we see, similar to the chap in the red, there's a guy in green wearing headphones and sunglasses, which isn't good, standing in front of the bright movie lights operating some of the equipment, and he remarks, I'm glad we got it right. Vogel always complains if he has to do the same, stunt fall twice. And we see the guy who was firing the shots in panel one, he's a nice little sheriff badge in his vest with a nice yellow scarf, he's standing smiling, he's obviously happy with the shot as well, but off camera a voice says, look over here! And we see a few people, there's a man in a... Pink shirt was obviously playing another western type character and a guy in a yellow shirt obviously playing another cowboy. They're lifting up the man who just did the stunt fall from the top of the building. The man in the red cap has run over and he says, What's the trouble? Did Voco crack a few ribs? It doesn't matter now. This man is dead. He was shot with wheeled bullets. And Wade, who's the guy in brown and orange and yellow, he leans into the scene and
0: cries, No! It can't be! You're on the sets of a western movie and on the scene of a cold-blooded killing. The crime has been recorded on film, but what goes on behind the cameras is far more ruthless, as the vigilante will find out when he's trapped in... The the Slaying slaying town.
2: Town. Gosh. We arrive at the top of page two. There's an awful lot going on. We can see that Vogel is being examined by, obviously, some kind of doctor chap in his shirt sleeves. Wade is standing, proclaiming, saying... My gun should have been loaded with blanks, the guy in the red baseball cap is saying. You've got some explaining to do, Wait, And we see that this entire scene is being viewed down a set of binoculars. It's that nice little cut-out point-of-view shot, because a thought-bubble asks.
1: Clear-cut case of murder.
2: Or is it? And a caption reads, Who is the silent spectator with the question? The silent spectator and the question.
1: Those two new superheroes are heard of the question. Gosh. <laughs> it's a sidekick. He was brought yes. in in the new golden age. Yes. <laughs> Along with all the other sidekicks.
0: Ooh. <laughs> when we write our DC comic, Jeff Johns. Yes, it's coming. It's yes. coming. The caption continues in the next panel. The bandanaed loner known as the Vigilante. A man with an unrelenting vendetta against crime of all kinds. Do you have an unrelenting vendetta against anything? I have an unrelenting vienetta, which I had for
1: dinner last night. Excellent. I set them up. Peter lobs them into the net. (laughs) Yes, we see Vigilante using his binoculars, and he's thinking, The trail of a smuggling ring I'm tracking led to this movie set, but I didn't expect to witness a killing. I'll keep reading lips and see what I can pick up. And we're back down in the movie set for the next panel. Wade
2: being frowned at disapprovingly by the man in the red baseball cap, who also sees a light, an old-fashioned light meter around his neck. Maybe he's the director or something, I don't know. There's also a chap in a purple suit with white collared shirt. Very wide collar, very wide neckline. Wade is saying, I, I swear, I didn't know the gun was loaded. That's the truth. This man in purple remarks.
0: Finally had to get your revenge, eh, Wade? All heads turn and listen to the cruel voice of the ruthless man who owns their careers, producer J.W. Farner. Farner looks kind of like, what if you took Scott
2: Walker's haircut and stuck it on William Hartnell? It's a bit harsh than William Hartnell I would say but that's fine. But it's a very <laughs> caricatured Mike Sikowski style William yes, Hartnell yes, uh-huh. Mike Sikowski was illustrating TV comic in 1965. <laughs> I hope you love all these reference points listeners.
1: I do. I think he looks
2: a bit like the fiddler
1: officially. Uh, Sikowski's fiddler. I like the
2: fact that in this next panel he's pointing so it looks like he's tickling that man's nose. <laughs> Farner continues, everyone knows about your manslaughter trial years ago and how Vogel was the hostile witness whose testimony put you away for five years. Blame me. That was quite an info dump, wasn't it? <laughs> Movie actor, it's a bit close to home, especially mm. if you're, what's his face? Alec One of the. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. Off camera, Wade is saying, but new evidence proved I was innocent. Farner takes a draw of his elaborate long cigarette holder in the next panel, saying, all the more reason to hate Vogel enough to kill him. Put Wade in the town jail for now, boys. I'll call the authorities. Wade gets led off by a man who's dressed up like an old school sort of cavalry type soldier, another guy. Wade calls back, No! I'm being framed! Somebody believe me! And we cut back once again to Vigilante in his binoculars, who's thinking,
1: Hmm. Looks like the cowboy star Wade Preston had a motive to shoot for keeps. But I don't think he had the stupidity to do it in front of a dozen witnesses. See the next panel
2: that Greg is, it looks like he's standing on the roof one of the the buildings in this small western town set and he's looking down and seeing the body of Vogel being carried away by another couple of men. Vigilante's
1: thinking, I suspected things were crooked in cool water. Now I'm sure of it. I've got a hunch there's real varmints in this town who do their dirty work off camera. think I'll mosey around some more.
2: Yep, he just loves jumping from town to town investigating and sticking his nose in. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. I slow dissolve the caption for panel three of page three. Later that afternoon... We're in a very fancy ornate office. Mr Farner, still parading around. And there's a very scrawny-looking chap with thinning dark hair and a beaky nose and sort of little half-glasses who's sat with a briefcase open going through some papers. And he's saying...
1: We can write off Vogel. He shouldn't have wanted a bigger cut of the operation.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Farner replies... The fool sealed his own death warrant when he did. Luckily,
1: we didn't have to pull in a pro-killer from the syndicate. Thanks to our star... Wade Preston. A brilliant stroke, JW, cashing in on that old court case and having me plant real bullets in Wade's gun before today's shooting schedule.
2: Well, that's a handy info dump. I hope Greg's got his tape recorder out and we see that this last part of the conversation is being overheard by Vigilante who's standing outside the open office door, very casually. Vigilante thinks to himself Some joke. Uh, he uses his rope, which is obviously lashed around the top of the building or something, to start pulling himself up, casting a long shadow as he does so. It actually looks like he's lowering himself into this rain barrel. It does, yes. It's quite interesting as he starts to climb up the rope. Vigilante thinks those left will be stuck in their craw as soon as I get evidence in their crooked operation. However, caption for the first panel of page four. Unexpectedly, yes. There's a snap sound effect as suddenly a knife, very sharp knife, flies into view, severing. Indeed, well, actually, very helpfully, Greg thinks what's happened. Molessel's been cut. He starts to fall to the ground. He lands with an. Oof. We see the shadow of a large figure looming over him, who says, "'Happy landing, stranger!' Pull back for panel three, we see a large man in a sort of purpley pink shirt, a purple waistcoat, brown hat, green trousers, a holster round his waist, holding a pistol, and he says, "'You may be dressed like a cowboy, but I'll lay odds you don't belong here. You and me are going to tell Mr Farner how you were snooping,' vigilante thinks. "'Have to make my move. Now or never!' And a very dynamic panel four Vigilante on the ground kicks up violently, knocking the gun out of the bad guy's hand and making the big guy fall backwards, exclaiming, Hey! And in the next panel, Vigilante gives him another kick with the other foot, saying,
1: Must get to Preston. He's been locked away
2: again for a crime he didn't commit. And there's another thwok as Vig kicks the bad guy who falls down, going, Ooh, a slow dissolve. Soon in the cool water jail. You see Wade sat in the, the bed in the cell as a, A very pirate-shippy-looking sort of sheriff with a very conspicuous big ring
0: of keys stands on the other side of the bars, saying, You're my favourite movie star, Mr Preston, but I had to lock you up. I don't like Farmer any more than you do, but right now the law's on his side. I'm not worried, Sheriff, replies Wade. Wade, I would be worried.
2: Caption then for panel two. Without warning... Yes, there's a crump sound effect as Vigilante appears and kicks open the door of the prison, saying... Sorry, Sheriff, but you don't know the brand of men we're up against. The Sheriff exclaims... Eh! And caption for panel three reads... Soon in J.W. Farner's suite... Yes, the big guy who was just giving Vigilante some trouble a page ago is sitting rubbing his jaw, saying... And the prowler wore a red scarf over his face. Farner's standing with his arms wide, he's raging... He kind of looks now a bit like Rod Hull crossed with Martin Short. (gasps) Totally is that. And Farner's exclaiming, Idiot! The Vigilante wears a scarf like that! He's here! In cool water! And his bespectacled associate from a couple of pages earlier enters this room saying, Just got word. Vigilante busted Preston out of jail. And then in the next panel we get close-up of Farner and I'm not sure who he looks like here, but he doesn't look like anyone that we've seen before. (laughs) Who was that guy that, was, um, that wasn't that was Robin Asquith that was in the Confessions
1: movies? Oh, Ricky, right, okay, yeah. I know what you mean. With a
2: heavy Roger McGuinn-style Scott Walker
1: haircut. He's got a bit of Willem Dafoe about him as well. Yes. We've not had Willem
2: Dafoe in the podcast for a while. True. It's a, mm-hmm. What's that? A throwback to the, the Silver Age Starman episode? Yes, yeah. yes. That's a very long time back ago. a long time ago, yes. So anyway, Farner takes another draw on his long fancy cigarette holder and replies to this news about Vigilante getting weighed out of jail. Splendid. Now we don't need the formality of Preston standing trial. We'll shoot him and Vigilante on sight. Fugitives from
0: justice. Ha ha! That masked meddler is unwittingly helping us. Meanwhile, after leaving the sheriff safely locked inside his own jail... Wade, looking like
2: George Lazenby, standing with Vigilante, and Wade says, But I'm innocent. A man on the run looks guilty. Don't be a fool, Preston. Farners' men will kill you the first chance they get. They're both walking off in the first panel of page six. Wade is saying, I've still got my doubts about you, Vigilante. And Vigilante thinks, A glimpse of shadow in front of Preston. Must be from the roof. Yeah, and we can see there's a bit of a distorted shadow behind them both. It looks a bit odd, like there's like an extra bit added on. In panel two, Vigilante drops to his knees and fires one shot. Blam! And we can see that he's taken out a man who's standing on a roof in front of them. Wade takes all this in and says, That man was about to shoot me in the back. From now on, you're the boss. Now you're talking. Keep your eyes peeled for anything that moves. And we're further into the town the next panel with Vig saying, If we can make it to the other side of
0: town, we've a chance. I've been on the run in a lot of movies, but this time I'm playing it for real. Silently, cunningly, the two men stalk their way through the rustic buildings, tackling trouble where they find it. Yeah, almost a montage. We see Greg standing on top of
2: a building, lassoing one bad guy, knocking his hat off and then way down on the ground, punching another guy. Vigilante is saying, Won't shoot unless I have to. A gunshot will give away where we are. I read you, Vigilante, says Wade as he punches out a man. Final panel of page six. We see them moving through a big stack of movie lights. Wow, that's fantastic. See if that ends up in the socials. I like that panel a lot. All sorts of equipment lying around. Vigilante is saying, We're almost out of this, friend. Just a few more steps. But, as you'd expect, off-panel, a voice cries, Over there! I see them! And we see, in the first panel of page seven, that it's Farner and a posse, Bunch of guys in the back of horses. They've all got guns. Farno says, Rush them And shoot to kill! Quick as a spark, Vigilante reacts. Yeah, see Vigilante operating a
0: very heavy looking electrical switch. Caption for panel three. Instantly, the huge outdoor lights set the air ablaze with thousands of watts.
2: Yes, I suppose this panel's going to make it onto the social, isn't it, Peter? Oh, absolutely, yes. There's a massive burst of light which, for some reason, knocked all these horses askance. There's five of them. You can see they're They've bucked the riders off or they've slipped to the ground. Or they're obviously really disturbed. One guy cries.
1: my eyes. Another
2: guy cries. <coughs> another guy cries. Can't see! No one knows what the horses are thinking. The caption for the final panel of page seven. Meanwhile, admit the chaos. We see a very happy-looking Wade saying, Ah, so this is what we came after. Let's peel out of here. Yep, and because indeed they have found Vigilante's motorbike. It looks as though Vigilante's removing a tarpaulin from it. Again... The panel of the horses could have been a little bit smaller, this could have been a little bit bigger, might have been a little bit clearer, a bit like the ski jump panel from earlier on, but not to worry. We arrive at the first panel of page eight. The lights are still blazing. Everyone is still on the ground. The horses are still neighing and weighing and really uncomfortable, but Vigilante and Wade speed off on the motorbike. One of Farner's goons cries, We got a motorbike, boss! Farner, who's still on his back on the ground, cries himself, After them, you bunglers! If they get away, we've had it! But when the
0: outlaws try to start their own engines... Yeah, nice
2: little three-slippy-slidy montage panel shot here. One guy in a green motor trying the engine. Not much luck, and he says... My, my truck won't start. Guy the next car, red car this time, we hear him saying... N- neither will my car. And then we see another gun pointing at a, a nasty patch of liquid on the ground behind his car as he observes... No wonder the gas tank's been emptied. The next panel's a cracker. Vigilante and Wade on the high ground... I buff above the town, and we hear frustrated voices coming from back down in the town as one guy can be heard yelling, Vigilante must have siphoned the gas out of every car and truck we brought. Another one says, We're stranded. Nothing but 50 miles of sand and vultures all around us. Another guy says, Our horses would never survive the desert. And up, looking above all this, we see Wade, Vigilante. Wade looking back down and saying, Sharp thinking, Vigilante. Now father his men have to stay in cool water till the police come for them. In the next panel, we see that Greg has a little small pouch, a little small bag, which he's emptying into his hand. I'm not pretty sure that's
1: come from. But Wade observes, that bag, it looks like diamonds. I found dozens like it hidden in the guest it- tanks of foreigners' cars. He was using his movie company as a front for smuggling. In the final panel, with a Zroom, Vigilante and Wade ride off on Vigilante's bike. As Vigilante continues, He'd secretly transport the stuff every time he took a film crew on location to a different part of the world. And now, his next and last location will be a federal prison. And a tiny caption tells us that this was... The the end.
2: end. Well, that wasn't as good as the last one. I'm a little bit foggy about some of the motivations.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I
2: still enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Hang on. So they were trying to get Wade into trouble. What, just as a distraction?
1: They needed Vogel out of the way, so they used Wade because they could frame him for that. Right. Because got a a minute. with with Vogel. Vogel was
2: the more... Oh, wait a minute. Here we are. We can write off Vogel. He shouldn't have wanted a bigger cut of the operation. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, Somebody I need a bit more emphasis. Uh, maybe a, a bit with Vigilante telling Wade about that conversation. That would have been nice, yeah. Yeah, it would have made it a little tidier, given how, much, how clear the exposition and all that was in the last one. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But no, that was fun. It was a nice little action-packed... You can imagine some banjos playing over a couple of the scenes to get yeah. the tension. <laughs> I like them sort of sat with the, the fact that they off-camera sabotaged all the vehicles. That was pretty cool.
1: I like that the first panel literally just looked like you were in a Western comic. Yeah. And then it cuts to, yeah. oh, it's a movie, Hey. Cool. That would have been better as a page turn. Jinx, you owe me a Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I was
2: going to say. Yeah, that would have been very good. Yeah. Artwork a little sketchier than the last time, I think.
1: Yeah, it's still the, exactly the same team as before. It's Carrie Bates writing with Sikowski and Giordano on the art, but I'm um, with you. Yeah, it's not as, not quite as stylish mm-hmm. as the first story. Yeah. yeah. Felt a bit more rushed, really. A bit more rushed. Farnall
2: and his pal look very grotesque. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if rushed, but maybe, maybe it's just a bit more stylized. I, maybe mm-hmm. it was deliberate. I don't know. I found a few pages of original art from these issues. Listeners, they'll make their way onto the socials, see what you think, what they look like, unadorned with the beautiful colouring. I liked them trying to get out of town and having to fight yes. off all the guys, that yes. was quite interesting. Then it was almost like Farner and these guys were waiting for them. That was quite mm. interesting.
1: When did Vigilante get a chance to go through their gas tanks? Because obviously he's just trying to drain them so they could get away, but then he discovered it just so happens that they're hiding these diamonds in the gas tanks. I know, it's
2: quite a leap, isn't it? Yeah. The diamonds came out of nowhere. Yeah. There was no hint of you know that going on. Maybe if Farner had sort of said something you know, he wanted a he wanted a bigger cut of our diamond smuggling operation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, that's a little tiny script edit that I might have made yeah. just to kind of clarify everyone's motivations.
1: It's almost like Carrie was writing the last page because of because it's only eight pages. Yeah, it's almost like he was writing the last page and thought, oh, I've got them escaping, but I've not actually got them away with any evidence. And yes, they I would get evidence. Eh, it just so happens. Yes, and I think that's what's probably happened. Yeah. I
2: think I think you're right. It's difficult with these eight-page stories to really give it a lot of depth. and But I think, to be fair, out of the, the, what, what, three or four Mm -hmm. Vigilante stories that we've done like this, they've all been quite good. They've all been quite solid. Uh As I've said, and I'll keep saying, I I love this idea of One Vigilante just... Traveling around fighting crimes,
1: yes. Uh-huh.
2: And obviously, you know Wade was in a lot of trouble here, and you know mm-hmm. he could have been, he could have gone down for murder and all that. But you know he's mm-hmm. Greg has saved him, so that's great. He's, his movie career is saved. And the thing is, was it even a real
1: movie? I wonder. Well, I think it was. Yeah, because they were going around. Because they did say they're filming everywhere.
2: I mean, I wonder was the whole movie making thing just a cover, just a front for all the the smuggling and stuff, the diamond thieving and all that that were going on, that's quite yeah, quite complicated. I mean, let's be honest, let's do a bit of comparison. I think this is much mm. weaker than the, the heroin story that yeah. we did earlier.
1: <laughs> heroin is stronger than diamond smuggling. Heroin,
2: Discuss. diamond smuggling, giant lizards, yeah, you Western decide. movies. Uh-huh. You decide. Not as quite as strong or as concise mm-hmm. or as mm-hmm. or as watertight as the, the first one. Yeah. Farner, obviously quite a grotesque, exaggerated, yeah. almost caricature bad guy. He uh-huh. was quite fun. He was yeah. a lot of fun.
1: And I think Skowski had a lot of fun drawing him because he does like to noodle at those evil faces.
2: Yes, very much. So you, can, you can imagine some, you know, we alluded to a few people there, but you can imagine some sort of renowned character type actor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Giving life to him on on the screen. Um, oh, David Warner when he played. Yes, he
1: jacked it up on time after time. He yeah. does look like David Warner. Yes, You're he's right. Like an aspect of that. Um,
2: Absolutely, especially. Mm. Oh now you see that, like especially pages two and three. You uh-huh. can see that there. Yeah, David Warner. Hmm, my voice wasn't too far away from David Warner. Rest in peace. His
1: his final big finish is imminent, I believe. Oh, okay. Did you ever meet David Warner? No. Okay, I did it at a con once, right? And he did this wonderful thing. that Anyone that comes up to him for signing at his table or whatever, he looks at him and says, "Have we met?" Lovely. Which you know is it works both ways. If you have met him before, it's fantastic. If you haven't, then it's fine. You can get away with it. That's okay. Brilliant. But you automatically think that you know. Oh, you remember me? Yeah. But yeah, I went to his talk and his, his talk was amazing because, you know, he's had such an amazing career. Yeah. And there were lots of t- chat about his Doctor Who appearance, obviously, and his Star Trek stuff as well. It's mostly focused on that, but uh, I asked him about it time after time. Of course, and yes. And he said, No one ever asked me about that. And oh, I, loved wow. that, I loved that movie and we had so much fun doing it. And he went into this whole <laughs> big spiel about it and it was like, Yes, great so it's truly a treasure that memory because i loved his stuff and Brilliant, absolutely everything well, he's, he was in he was he's a legend amazing. yeah this is the david warner
2: appreciation podcast yes
1: he was rachel Gill in batman animated series was oh, he goodness sake. i didn't yeah. know
2: uh-huh. i didn't see very much of batman <gasps> well i was working I, know, was I just didn't see it it was on on saturday mornings and i was always mm. at work so i just didn't i never I hardly ever saw it at all and gasp i'm not a big batman fan as we all know so there we are Okay, this is yes, a nice little sidestep in David Warner. Listeners, where, where you, what's your favourite David Warner movie? Mine's probably The Omen.
1: Is it The Seven Servants? If so, seek help. Google that if you must. I must not. No. Anyway, have we got anything else to say on this one? I think we should maybe skip ahead to the correspondence
2: Okay, issue. that works. Adventure Comics 430. Again, because it's the what the heck's going on with Adventure Comics at this point, it's worth talking about, so we're just going to we'll just read all the letters from this one, I think. First one. Dear Joe, Please keep adventure exactly as it is, filled with non-series, non-superhero stories. I do not like Vigilante, especially with Mike Sikowski art. The Adventurers Club, it's the highlight of each issue. It's fantastic apparel art combined with excellent stories that does it. Please keep it around. Captain Fear has improved, and I wouldn't mind seeing it return in a future issue. I'm looking forward to it. Dead Man in 431 or so, but please don't make him the whole book. Keep the showcase format, and that's from John Cameron, Southfield, Michigan. Don't trust anyone with two first
1: names. <laughs> The editorial response says, Dear John, as a quick glance at the next few letters will show, your opinion about the scripting on the Adventures Club is a minority view. So we're retaining Jim Apparo's art on a new series, but sending the old concept back to the mystery mags. The new series? No, unfortunately, is isn't going to be Deadman just yet, but we are giving you a ghostly superhero in next issue. The Spectre! In all new stories inspired by the Golden Age character, the back of adventure will remain filled with the regular superstars, Captain Fear and the Black Orchid episodes are in progress for instance. Meanwhile we anxiously await your response to the Black Orchid both sales wise and letter wise. Do I don't think I've read any of the Black Orchid ones. I've got the three headline
2: really? issues and I've mm. got, obviously I've got a full run the Phantom Stranger for like 25 years but I think I've ever read a single... Maybe I'll go and do that now listeners. You should. Maybe you I'll should. find out one where she ends up in a parallel universe and meets mm-hmm. her other universe duplicate and we'll have to t- Do it as a flashback? Yes. The
1: next letter then? Yes, dear editor, according to your announcement, brand new strips were coming to adventure. Well, here are my verdicts on the series. I enjoy the vigilante. I'm glad to see he has been revived. But I hate to have him grace the same pages as that awful Adventurer's Club. That strip would be better off in the House of Mystery Mm. or another one of the weird books. It is that kind of style and flavour. If you do want to consider the strip, please move it there. On the other hand, Captain Fear fits the format. It could be handled better, but it's all in all a very good strip. And that's from Helmut Schroeder from Appleton, Wisconsin. Yep, no response to that one, so the
2: next letter reads, Dear Joe, do you know what Adventure 427 was? A mediocre comic book. The only superior thing on it was the cover. It didn't live up to its title and reputation. I suggest that measures be taken right away. The Adventurers Club and Captain Fear have got to go. And that's from Keith Griffin again, still stuck inside a mobile with the Memphis Blues again in Alabama.
1: Keith gets a response. Dear Keith, in the interest interests of the equal time provision, let's hear from some fans who'll answer you more emphatically than we could. And the next letter. Dear Joe, Adventure 427 was a solid issue from cover to cover. I rather liked the first issue, although the cover featuring it was misleading. Jim Aparo is rapidly moving to the top of my list of favourite artists, you and me both. I think the Vigilante series was good enough to hold its own in this issue. It had an overused plot, but with nice touches. Captain Fear will have to wait before I pass judgement on it. It has all the ingredients of a good strip, but something seems to be lacking that I can't put my finger on. More importantly, please make adventure monthly again. And that's from Jerry Steven from Terre, Montana. Next letter. Dear Editor, the winning combo delivered to us in
2: Adventure 426 was repeated in 427 just as I was hoping. Since the departure of Supergirl from this mag's hallowed pages, this comic has skyrocketed to the top of my must-buy list. Oh, I feel sorry for this guy, it's a shame. (laughs) No other publication, the DC line gives us three different stories per issue, much less three such well done ones. I agree with this guy, to be honest. Mm. They're great it's all great stuff. It's a nice mix. It reminds me, you know, of the sort of the mix of stories you used to get in stuff sort of like the eagle and yes. Buddy when we were kids. It's like you anthology know. books. Yeah, I, it's fantastic, it's, uh-huh. you know, the sort of stuff that we grew up on over mm. here. <laughs> Our correspondent continues. Vigilante has always been one of my favourite characters, and the slaying town did him right. This issue's instalment of the Adventurers Club was well done, but it wasn't the type of story to fit this strip. The concept of some guy being changed into a lizard belongs in the house of mystery. The title, Adventurers Club, itself indicates a brand of stories which remain credible while being weird. That's fair. Captain Fear was well executed as usual. Perhaps he should be considered for a magazine of his own. And that's from Scott Gibson, Sterling, Colorado. We've had letters from Scott in the past, I'm sure.
1: And the editorial response says, Dear Scott, all new characters are considered for solo mags, but... Sometimes it takes a while until they prove themselves. Perhaps Captain Fear will indeed be a magazine one day. But for the time being, he's just slated for more issues of Adventure.
2: More issues of Adventure, yes. Well, as they said there, the Spectre is returning. So we will be returning to the pages of Adventure Comics to deal with the Spectre when they arrive. It might be a... I'm not sure if we'll get to him before the end of the year, to be honest. But we will see him again soon. Look forward to a lot of Spectre in the the start of 2024. We haven't really seen him since... He vanished in JLA 83 last summer. Yes, he was killed. He was destroyed forever. Yeah, he's been away for a long, long time. Mm. And also, we're not going to see the Vigilante for a while. The Seven Soldiers of Victory will appear in a previously unpublished Golden Age scripted story in some issues of Adventure Comics in the next while or so, so we'll be covering them. But Vigilante himself will not reappear in these little solo stories again for quite a while, not until we're in about issue 248, 249 of World's Finest Comics, and they're a good few years away. It'll be interesting to see when he comes back. I've really enjoyed these little sort of Vigilante vignettes of
1: you. Absolutely, yes. And listeners, if you've been enjoying the Vigilante vignettes, then you should check out the excellent Prairie Justice podcast that Ranger Gord Tolton does. It was Ranger Gord who actually voiced Vigilante for us in our Seven Soldiers of Victory epic three-parter. And many thanks to him for that. Yes.
2: Who else were we going to get to do it? Let's be honest, you <laughs> said no. And, and of course, when we did a wrap-up, I sort of hadn't heard those issues now and I can now say how good he was it was fantastic that's mm. probably my favourite segment actually it was the the rescue of, of Ranger Gordon that's the only one when I didn't play anyone so there you go <laughs> make of that what you will <laughs> am I sick of the sound of my own voice sometimes so without mm. further further ado Peter yes where, what can people do to, if they want to tell us their thoughts on Vigilante and these stories that we've covered today in the Adventures Club and Jim Aparo and Black Orchid and all that sort of stuff
1: well you can email us David you can email us at the 2 podcast at gmail.com you can also send us a voicemail if you go to speakpipe.com forward slash the earth to podcast, you can leave us a voicemail that we can play on the show and, you know, answer your queries. Yeah, ask
2: us some questions about our personal life so we can tell you to bog off and mind your own business. That'd be funny, listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could surprise you by answering. Yes. Also, make sure you check out our social media because we're putting up lots of lovely bonus material for this and, indeed, every episode. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth2 Podcast and on Twitter, because we're still calling it that, we're at Mm podcast underscore Earth2 and it's the number two for all of our social media.
2: It certainly is, as I always say, and I've said it a lot of times today because we recorded three episodes today. If you can summon the inclination to go to wherever as you receive your podcast and leave us a positive review, that would be lovely. I'm told such things are good for our visibility and our algorithms and such like. You could also go to our coffee page and buy Peter the price of a beverage. I want to give a couple of shout outs just to some of our pals that are doing some podcasting at the moment that they've supported us over the summer. Ross is continuing with Stop Let's Team Up and with Opal City Confidential and he's tantalised me because he's done an episode in Captain Britain which i have not a time to listen to. I
1: have. It's very good indeed. Cool.
2: Yes. I have that downloaded and ready to go. Shag continues obviously with Breakdowns on his Just League International podcast. He's just done one where they also talked about issue 18 of Green Lanterns. So that was quite interesting. He was mm. in that little period. Mm-hmm. Brandon Peters has just round up the summer of 93 at 30. At the point of recording, he's releasing all his episodes from the recent popcorn convention. The Weird Warriors... Are plugging ahead. They're getting well into the 70s but we're catching them up slowly but surely.
1: We certainly are. Yes, you should definitely check out the Weird Warriors podcast. They're covering all of Weird War Tales from the very start as well as some amazing extra stuff. So yeah, check them out. They are fantastic. And I would strongly suggest as well you check out the Awesome Comics podcast. It's the best podcast about small press comics you'll ever listen to. Uh, especially in britain i'm not sure what the situation is in the states but uh, mm. certainly the stuff that the guys talk about is fantastic they've got great guests on including us recently uh, <laughs> that's true <laughs> yes we were on fairly recently and it was a delight an absolute delight
2: yeah i, I have another episode of, of theirs downloaded to listen to at the moment because they're speaking to the guys responsible for viz comic which is obviously yes a legend in, in our
1: parts a british humor magazine fantastic oh
2: whether or not our, our foreign listeners would get so much of that i'm not sure but that's what i'm looking forward to so yes just spread the love listeners let us know what other comics podcasts you're enjoying and, and all that sort of stuff but we appreciate you listening and we appreciate your support it's always the same folk that kind of give us a boost in the socials and we're very very grateful
1: on that note i've been peter
2: and i've been david take care we'll see you again soon on the earth Two podcast,
0: podcast.
2: On your own with that one, kid.
0: (laughs) Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.
2: Yes, we see Greg. Not Greg. (laughs) Outtake City, Arizona. You're my favourite movie star, Mr. Preston, but I had to lock you up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Keep it going.